I'm Jamie Nye. He's Drew Romendo. Welcome into the Green Zone on this Thursday afternoon. 30 degrees warmer than it was yesterday in the province of Saskatchewan. Although it'll be cold, like 20 degrees colder tomorrow. Just a rant. Was that a Chinook? Is it it a Chinook uh, coming through Saskatchewan? Did they blow that far east off the mountains? I know they're used to to Chinooks in Calgary. You got a mall named after it, as a matter of fact. Eric Francis joining us from uh, Sportsnet. Do Chinooks come this far? Do you know that? Are you a meteorologist in your part-time or not? I was under the impression that they were only in Calgary. Like, I'm, just, I'm not <laughs> yeah. saying it's the only place. You're 100% right. Yeah. But but it is a, a phenomenon of, uh, uh, if I put on my Cliff Clavin hat here, it is a bit <laughs> of a phenomenon of warm winds coming over the Canadian Rockies from our good friends in Vancouver. And it's really the only time I think anybody in Calgary does appreciate the good people of Vancouver. <laughs> I was going to say good friends in good friends since one of the good friends in Vancouver. Uh, don't believe that for a sec. Other than Elias Lindholm and Nikita Zadorov, who you, who are now Vancouver Canucks, but uh, uh, exactly they send us warm winds and draft picks, and that's enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, last night the Dallas Stars also sent some draft picks uh, Calgary's way. Chris Tanev is heading to Dallas in a trade. Uh, we booked Eric before the trade. We were just like, hey, what are they going to do? So now the question is, what more are they going to do after last night's deal with Chris Tanev? Yeah, well, obviously they're going to trade Noah Hannafin. I think that's the extent of it. I, you know, I've, I've been saying all along, I think that yeah, they're going to trade Markstrom at some point. Uh, but I, I think that's more of a summertime deal. Uh, you know, right now you've, you've clearly got one team that's interested in New Jersey. I don't know if you've got a bidding war going. And unless you've got a bidding war going, what's the point? What's the point of trading anybody unless you can help drive the price up to get exactly what you want? And because there's no rush, um, you know, wait till the summer when a a bunch of teams lose in the first or second round and say to themselves, man, if only we had a proven veteran goaltender, uh, we probably could have done some damage. So let's get in on this bidding war and get uh, Jacob Markstrom. So Noah Hanfin will be out the door for sure. The only question is, you know what the hall is. You know, and they knew they knew Tanev was going to be out the door, but the question was, could they get a first rounder for him? Uh, they didn't, but you know, they they claim to be quite happy with the, the the prospect they got. Is is it first off? Um, we were in Calgary just a while ago. I had a brand new suit on, double breasted. It was absolutely gorgeous, and you were nowhere around, so I was a little disappointed <laughs> there. Other than that, I'm so sorry. I, I heard. <laughs> I knew you were in town. I was sitting there doing, I was at the broadcast booth, and I said, by the way, I asked Ryan Leslie, I said, have you seen Drew Remenda? And he said, yeah, yeah, he doesn't look very good. No, I just, he didn't. <laughs> he, he, he said, yeah, he's here. He, and I, I was so sad I didn't see you. I'm sorry, but I'm sure you look like a million dollars as you always do. But anyway, go on, sorry, I cut you off. Anyway, thank you, buddy. Um, is Craig Conroy looking to avoid what Brad Trelaving fell into with Goudreau and Kachuk. Is that why he's got these guys who are going to be free agents and he's saying, right now we're going to move guys, even though we've got a shot at a playoff spot? Yeah. I mean, when when Craig was hired, like in his opening press conference, he said, we can never allow uh, this organization – we can never allow a situation like what happened with Johnny Gaudreau ever again. So 
Right. If a guy's on an expiring contract, we either try to re-sign him or he's gone. And, and, and I don't know if making that absolute statement like that always makes sense. It depends where you are in your organiza- organizational evolution. But at this point right now, where this team is forever, forever in seventh, eighth, ninth place, always right in the mushy middle, uh, I, I think that he sees this as a moment in time that I've not seen in the 30 years I've covered this team where you can affect significant change with a couple of massive trades of, you know, proven, you know, sought after veterans. Uh, look, they, they tried to sign Hannafin. They wanted to sign yep. Hannafin. They offered him an eight year deal for what I think is very fair market value. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, Hannafin, after much contemplation, he said it was an extremely hard decision. Um, he's, doing exactly what his good friend Matthew Kachuk's done. And I could have told you that that's exactly what's going to happen. That's the third American player who's decided that the grass is greener south of the border. And they all three of them love their time in Calgary, but they all wanted something different. And so that's where Hampton's at, and we'll see what they get for him. It'll be a pretty massive haul. I, I would submit to you that when he is gone, people in this city will understand then how underappreciated this guy is. Like, he is one of the better two-way defensemen in the National Hockey League. He just turned 27. He's having the best year of his career right now, and he's only going to get better. Uh, this team's going to miss him terribly. And when you you talked about the mushy middle, Eric, and, and this is a, an organization over the last six, seven drafts, going back to Matthew Kachuk was the last time they were in the top ten, of course, how hard has it been being in that, as you said, love the term, mushy middle to try to grow a team around some of the stars they had and now have again with a guy under contract long-term at $10.5 million and Jonathan Huberto, which I don't see them being able to move anytime soon. No, that, that contract's not moving anytime soon. So, yeah, they won't use the word rebuild here. I, I I think you'll be escorted out of the building if you say that word out loud. <laughs> um, so th- they use the word retool, uh, mm-hmm. which I think is accurate because, you know, you're not rebuilding completely down to the studs. And Craig Conroy has gone on record with me, you know, making it very clear, look, we will never, under my watch, tank. We will never, never do the Chicago Blackhawks thing. I mean, I could list a whole bunch of teams, Buffalo Sabres. You know, hope for that great draft pick, win the draft lottery, and start from the bottom and move our way up. Because, you know, as he points out and Flames owners point out, like, look at how long Buffalo's been in that tailspin. Look at how long Edmonton's been in that tailspin. Now, they're looks like they're coming out of it right now, but it's been a long, long time coming. And there's no guarantee you're ever going to get out of it with a rebuild. In the meantime, you lose, you know, countless millions of dollars in season ticket sales and merchandise sales and all that. They would rather be, you know, a team that's constantly knocking on the playoff door with hopes of catching lightning in a bottle like they did in 04. And again, that was a bit of a fluke, but hey, at the end of the day, that's kind of the way they see it. So they'll continue to do that. He says it's different this time, though. He's different this time because they left open a ton of roster spots this year for youngsters. They've been calling them up like crazy, and a couple of them have stuck and been really big stars. For them. Big uh, stars is not the right word, but... Um, you know, Martin Poskisil and Connor Zaria have been phenomenal for this team uh, this year. They're on the second line, arguably their top line. And uh, that never would have happened if the commitment to a youth movement wasn't there. So um, it's going it, to, it, I'm not saying it's not going to be painful, but it's not going to be a tear it down to the studs like uh, a lot of people think you have to go. That's 
a key boy your development guys well look like let's look at detroit eight years it's been eight no. years and they were the the masters of the universe you know at their peak not that long ago and then now it's been eight years they look like they're gonna they're, they've got a good lock on the that wild card playoff spot um you look at the san jose sharks they're years years away and they were at yeah. once they you know top of the top of the heap but if you don't have a development system if you don't draft well and have a development system along with this build it's impossible but the flames have really done a good job with that haven't they i think so drew i, I yeah. think so like all these draft picks are, are are like lottery tickets we know that you know Connor Zary, I think in a lot of people's eyes, people had written him off because it had been three or four years since he was drafted in the first round, late in the first round, and he'd been injured. He wasn't really lighting it up in the in the minors, and people just, you know, something shinier and newer comes along every year, and he kind of gets shoved back. But the organization didn't give up on him, and now he's starring on the top line with the Calgary Flames. Uh, Martin Pospisil is a guy who's been injured more often than he's played over the last five years. Like, that's an incredible statement, and they stuck with him because they saw something in him, a style of player and a body size and all, that they thought could be a unique addition, and it's paid off big time. So they're, they're stocking the cupboards. Do we have, do the Calgary Flames have a superstar on the horizon? I don't think anybody thinks they do, but they've got a lot of solid young prospects, and you never know who's going to emerge. So uh, it's a numbers game for them. The more youngsters they can get in the system, the better chance that some of them are going to stick. And, and that's the route they're going. In the meantime, you've got guys like Nazem Kadri, uh, Rasmus Anderson, um, yep. you know, Michael Backlund. Like they got leaders that are veterans that are tremendous character human beings and great leaders that are kind of leading the way for this team right now. Blake Coleman is having a season for the ages for a guy who no one could have predicted this. So <laughs> you never know what can happen. And, uh, and the Flames are excited about the fact that they've got a lot of guys pushing for jobs though, moving forward. Eric Francis with us. Uh, finally, Eric, how special it will be uh, to have Mika Kiprasov. I know he's already around the team, uh, being honored in Calgary this weekend. Guys, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't shamelessly tell people to to, to go to sportsnet.ca and read my stuff because because who would? But but I, I I've been working on a piece the last week talking to so many of Kiprasov's former teammates. And all I said was just give me, give me Kipper stories. Like, give me some of your favorite Kipper stories. Cause he's like a rock star. He didn't act like a rock star. He was very quiet and reclusive. Uh, one guy told me that he probably left the team hotel five times in, la- in 10 years. But when he did go out or when he did do something or say something or pull a prank on someone, it was legendary. And I've collected all these great stories and I love telling lit stories. It, it might be worth reading me for once on sports (laughs) tomorrow morning it'll drop and i just i'm having so much fun cobbling together these stories i'm i'm but i'm sweating it out because there's so many good ones i don't want to miss too many so um yeah it's an exciting time uh this guy is so so revered in this city he was so dominant in his time and on top of all of it um he's just the most hilarious person that nobody knew was hilarious so uh, yeah, it's a cool. It'll be a cool ceremony. The over/under on his speech is thirteen. Uh, he, when he was uh, thirteen words, when he got named to the yes. Finnish Hockey Hall of Fame, his speech was thirteen <laughs> words long, and everyone's got wagers on whether it's going to be longer or shorter. I got the under myself. I don't know about you guys. Hey, do do me a favor. If you get a chance to talk to him, 
ask him about the Sharks Golf Tournament where he, he and Vesa Toskala rode around as so-called goodwill ambassadors because they didn't golf, but they rode around in the cart together and ask him if he remembers anything about that afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I will. It's funny. I was going to call you, Drew, because I had a feeling you'd have a couple stories of his days in San Jose. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, uh, that, yeah, I, I may call you a little later to just see if I can sneak in another one. So, <laughs> All right, buddy. The, the, the Flames can send San Jose a thank you uh, card for Mika Kiprasov as well. That's, that's a conditional I'll, a conditional pick in the uh, I'll tell NHL you, draft. I'll, we don't have time with Eric, but I'll, Eric knows the story. I'll tell you the story when we come back. <laughs> You're going to have to call Eric. He'll want to hear it as well. Eric, uh, thanks so yeah, much I, for your time. I'm going to stay on the line and listen. I want to hear this. <laughs> okay, <buddy. laughs> that is Eric Francis of Sportsnet on the future of the Flames, and they'll honor Amika Kiprasov as well as one of the legends. Look at, I was like, what did the Sharks get for Mika Kiprasov? Mm-hmm. Oh, a conditional pick in the 2005 draft. Uh, Drew's got a story next, though, on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. Jamie Nigel, with you here on the Green Zone. Okay, give, give it to us, Drew. Okay, I, I, I can't believe a so, story of Mika Kiprasov and Daryl Sutter would end in awkwardness, but go ahead. So Daryl Sutter's coaching the Sharks, and uh, Mika's in net. We're playing. I don't remember who we're playing, but it's in San Jose, and Mika's not having a game. In fact, he was as uh, my good friend says, Red Rotten. And we're thinking, because you've got Nabokov, you've got Kipper, and we had Vesatoskla as well. And so Daryl leaves him in. And then after that, he was persona non grata. He was, he was the number two guy. He was, Nabby was the number one guy. Even Tosk sometimes was going to be the number number two guy. So Daryl leaves him in. He gets shelled, and then Nabby is is the bona fide number one. And then when Daryl goes to Calgary, they trade for Dar- for Kipper, which we all went. Wait a minute, Daryl's <laughs> trading for Kipper? He he did honestly, and then Kipper leads them to the Stanley Cup final, beating the Sharks in the uh, it was the conference final. So Big D, you know what? As much as we want to criticize him for all kinds of things, the guy is pretty crafty. I got to <laughs> hand it to him. But so, yeah, he boondoggled us right there. Boondoggled us. <laughs> always thinking two moves ahead. He's, he's I'm always thinking get fired. two moves ahead. I yeah. know I'm getting fired. I'm gonna make the. I want this guy to be my goaltender wherever I'm going to next. I'm gonna make him look bad right now. Perfect. There yep. we go. That was it. That was. I don't. I wish I could remember the game, but uh, but I remember Kipper was not good. Daryl wasn't happy, and then it became it became Nabby's team, and Nabby's a great goalie. But the Kipper did what Kipper did, you know. So <laughs> it's uh, why they're honoring him in the, at the Saddle mm-hmm. Dome uh, this week as we continue here on the Green Zone. Jamie Nigel Romendo with you here on the Green Zone on this Thursday afternoon. Pretty warm afternoon out there. They're making a Grey Cup festival announcements in Vancouver today. Of course, that is the site of this year's Grey Cup in Vancouver. One of my favorite spots for a Grey Cup, I will tell you that. And uh, here's the latest. There's going to be multiple zip lines for the Grey Cup festival. 
There's going to be one over the water and another one at 75. It'll go about 75 kilometers an hour top speed over downtown Vancouver uh, for a zip line. Are you in, Drew? Are we going zip lining Grey Cup Week in Vancouver together? Well, obviously not, because you're going to be in Vancouver slacking off. I'm going to have to take over the show. So you're going to be the guy that's <laughs> zip lining your way through to a lawsuit. Good for you. Good work. <laughs> You've never gone zip lining, Drew? No, sir. But that sounds like a lawsuit waiting to happen for the Grey Cup and CFL and the city of Vancouver. I cannot wait to hear the judgment on that one when something goes wrong. When? This one's guarantee. Sure, it'll be. Oh, it's a guarantee. Fine. Fine. Over. Now, when they say over downtown, like not over, there's some tall buildings in Vancouver. It's got to be like an area around. You know who knows Vancouver pretty well? Our next guest. Breaking down the business of sports with Tom Mayonet. What do you say, Tom? Me and you zip lining over downtown Vancouver, Grey Cup week in a couple of months. I'm in. There we go. See? I'm in. Comes uh, if in. Only, if only to completely stress Drew out. <laughs> no, I, if you guys are doing it, go ahead. I, I, I couldn't care less what happens to you. It's my body I'm concerned about. I don't care. I could do the show without you two. No problem. Uh. Should have asked Randy Ambrosi, that uh, commissioner of the CFL, was actually in Vancouver yesterday uh, because it was the big fundraiser for the Jewish Community Center, uh, the Jack Diamond Awards. John McEnroe, uh, of course, of tennis fame and now ESPN announcer, one of the best in the business. Uh, He was a special guest. But Angus Reid, the former BC uh, Lion, um, uh, you know, one of the best players at his position in in recent memory, he won the Jack Diamond Award, and uh, uh, give credit where credit is due. Randy Ambrosi and the BC Lions felt it was important enough that uh, uh, Ambrosi uh, flew in, obviously probably coordinated it with the Great Cup planning meetings, but he was there uh, and on the stage last night, and I think it was uh, it was good. So we'll we'll, we'll see if uh, Angus Reid is going to do some uh, uh, zip lining when it comes to the Great Cup later on this year. Hey, good news. I heard the Genius Sports is handling all the zip line construction. <laughs> okay. Touche. I'm out. Nope. Pass. <laughs> Never mind. But like, you know Vancouver. Downtown zip lining? That's got to be going like not over downtown, but like through some buildings or something like that. Um, but also through some buildings, um, what are you, fast and furious. Well, yeah, like Spider Man, you'd be buildings? ripping through the ripping between the buildings down the streets of downtown Vancouver. It would be that's what that's what I'm picturing. And then over the water, that'd be pretty cool too. Um, uh, so uh, of course, I can only imagine Tom what you guys are expecting out on the west coast of what more Amar Doman, who has invested quite heavily in his football team in the CFL what kind of party he wants to throw in November. Yeah, make no mistake. He continues to say and do all the right things, all the things that you'd want um, an owner of your CFL franchise, uh, uh, you know, to to say uh, he's walked the walk, uh, talked the talk. And, you know, again, last night was just an example of of that. Uh, Angus Reid always has been a big uh, community guy. But uh, Amar Doman and the BC Lions stepped up in a big way as sponsors of 
of this as one of the main sponsors of this dinner uh, alongside the Vancouver Canucks. And this is a real opportunity for some payback and a real opportunity. Uh, the way he looks at it, uh, I'm told, is very much an opportunity to serve the league with a terrific Grey Cup opportunity, one that pushes the boundaries in terms of fan experience. And listen, you don't have to be a ziplining uh, fanatic uh, to know that Grey Cup festivals are the life of the party, but trying to push the envelope in terms of that fan experience, he's done that each of the three seasons that he's been uh, the owner of the DC Alliance from the concept of the opening a game concert to just all kinds of additional activity in the concourses around uh, and the plaza, Terry Fox Plaza around BC Place. Uh, Mark Doman has been hands-on on that part of it, and no surprise that uh, Dwayne, you know, uh, formerly of the CFL, uh, is now his CEO because they're putting so much focus on uh, the stadium experience and, and the, the, the fan experience. That's what I think uh, Amar Doman wants to get out of this is to say that, look, we're going to do everything we can to um, make sure it's a great experience for all the fans coming from uh, the rest of the country and certainly for uh, BC Lions uh, season ticket holders. And it, it, it really is gratifying uh, that he's injected that energy. Now, the reality is still a lot of work to be done in the CFL. We're not too far removed from uh, you know, the pandemic shutdown of one season and almost shutdown of a second season. Uh, but if, if Vancouver continues to make the progress that it is, as the BC Alliance continues to make the progress that they, that they're making under Mardoman, it, it'll, it'll make for a stronger CFL going forward. And that's good for all the other franchises. Tom Mayanek, host of the sport market. You hear it every weekend, Saturday, Sunday morning. Uh, here on CJME and CKOM. Let's uh, go to another commissioner's visit. This time was Gary Bettman in Winnipeg after Mark Chipman told The Athletic that the current state of season tickets is not sustainable, uh, which had a lot of gnashing of teeth and irate fans about Gary Bettman. And then Gary showed up on Tuesday and said, what's what's all the, what's the problem? There's no problem here. We got no problem. We're... Just trying to sell more tickets. Relax. What did you think of Gary's visit to Winnipeg? Well, first of all, the context is is really important. Uh, a city that already has gone through the heartache of a of a relocation outwards of of one of its franchises, obviously the original uh, Winnipeg Jets. But here's the other uh, thing that I think is really important before we we get too excited about. This being a real crisis for the Winnipeg Jets, keep in mind that when they made the move from Atlanta to Winnipeg, Atlanta, a market seven times the size of Winnipeg proper, um, and greater uh, Atlanta being, you know, a heck of a lot more than the entire province of Manitoba in, in terms of population, they, in this small Winnipeg market, doubled uh, uh, corporate uh, sponsorships and quadrupled season ticket sales, uh, literally in their first year in the marketplace under the leadership of True North and, and, and Mark Chipman and, and company. So the reality is, yes, this is a blip that I didn't see coming, especially with the team that has been a, 
a, a contender and, and a playoff team for the last, uh, you know, the last few years of, through the pandemic coming out uh, this this side of it, I didn't see them not being able to fill uh, which what is the smallest arena in the National uh, Hockey League. And so I'm not trying to dismiss it, but when you're owned by the Thompson family, you've got a head start advantage over a lot of other ownership groups in the National Hockey League in terms of um, capacity to sustain, let's say, a market correction. And I do believe that um, they've done the right thing in saying, hey, look, we've made some mistakes in terms of how we've dealt with our season ticket holders. We've made some mistakes in terms of pricing, potentially, uh, but we're going to work to uh, get our building uh, sold out. And if they do, it'll, it'll, it'll be... Uh, like it has been since the beginning, a, 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 a market that better performed a big American market uh, that is now under consideration for another NHL expansion franchise going forward. Again, I'm not trying to dismiss it, but the context is really important. Uh, I think that if this continues into next season and they don't have a terrific offseason in terms of corporate and and group sales and season ticket sales, then I would say, okay, this is uh, something that the league really has to uh, watch for. But if they give Winnipeg one one hundredth of the latitude that they've given the Arizona Coyotes and others, they'll be fine. Well, that, that brings up the question. The NBA has not been shy about moving teams. When things aren't working in the market, Vancouver's a perfect example, boom, Team moves, and there's other teams that, that are on record, of course, of moving as well. The NHL is very hesitant, in fact, almost never, except the, with the exception of the Winnipeg Jets and the Atlanta Thrashers, have about moving teams. Colorado Avalanche, Quebec is the other one. So what does it take, do you think, for a team to finally just pull up stakes and say, we can't do this. What does it take for the NHL to recognize that the market just will not support an NHL club? When the losses, and when I say losses, I mean both figurative losses and um, uh, opportunity costs, like lost opportunity in terms of having empty seats. When that gets bigger than the um, uh, capacity of the ownership group, then it is definitely, um, uh, you know, time to consider options. But I think we're so far, um, uh, so far ahead of that right now. Uh, this is a concern and it does strike me as strange given how, how good Winnipeg sports fans are, how they support the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. But it's also a reminder of what's happened in other good organizations in other good markets. When the Detroit Red Wings, as an example, when they were having their massive run of, I guess it was 487 um, uh, consecutive yeah. game sellouts, um, they went into a playoff year and they cranked up season ticket prices by 25%. The first two home games that the Wings had that year, there were 2,000 empty seats for a playoff game. Never happened before in Detroit history. But that was an example of gouging. That was an example of picking the wrong time to push too hard on pricing. And I think they're in the situation that they're in 
uh, right now with, uh, you know, a couple of thousand seats below where they used to be because they pushed too hard on ticket pricing. I, I, it's not the only issue, but it is often the most important reason why someone buys a season ticket or, um, or, or, or doesn't. And so I think from where they are right now, they have to keep on saying, hey, look, we've made some mistakes. We're committed to making the fan experience at uh, Canada Life Centre, uh, you know, uh, one of the best in the, uh, in the NHL. And uh, we're going to uh, take a look at some pricing options. Um, because there's nothing more important than a full building. If you don't have a full building, then that's when the sponsorship value starts to drop, television rights start to drop, licensing rights start to drop. But if you're selling out every night, even if it's a 15,000-seat building like in Winnipeg, you can basically say, hey, look, who knows how many people want to come to the game tonight because we're sold out. But the moment you're one ticket south of a sellout, you know that it's 14,999 people. That's your market. That's how many people wanted to see your your product that night. They have to get back to sellouts. It's the bread and butter of the National Hockey League. It continues to be. The recent uh, numbers came out that the NHL uh, is the most dependent on gate revenue of any of the five major North American um, uh, sports leagues, even Major League Soccer, in terms of percentage. That's what they have to do in Winnipeg. Well, Tom, we'll leave it there. I know you'll have a lot more on this on the sport market uh, this weekend on CJME and uh, CKOM, and uh, I'll be getting ready for zip lining in Vancouver in a couple of months for well, break I was, up. To, I was just about to say I appreciate uh, uh, because I do have to run. I've got my first zip, uh, zip line lesson uh, coming up uh, uh, this afternoon, and I'm going to be dressed as a Michelin man. <laughs> just hey. Just make sure the straps are tight. Okay, yeah. that's all. That, that, <laughs> thanks, Drew. Hey, thanks. Yeah. Zip lining yeah. advice. What's your man? Tighten the straps. Sit. All you have to do is sit back, relax, enjoy the view. Or if you're really afraid of heights like me, just watch other people fly over your heads. This is 980-CJME and 650-CKOM. Jamie and I am Drew Remenda uh, with you here in the Green Zone. What did Sheldon Keefe say to get fined $25,000? Like, from the video that I saw, Drew, it looked like he said he just fell. <clears throat> That's enough. You, you don't, you, you have to treat the referees. Remember this, the, the memorandum that came out, start of the year? You got to treat the referees better. It's enough. It's enough of the toxic coaching masculinity that's going on in the National Hockey League. Now, I agree, I agree with that. We disagree on this. I agree that the belligerent, losing, snapping, F-bomb-riddled rants towards the referees need to be reduced by NHL coaches. But what Sheldon Keefe did them? the other night, day, I was like, uh, 25 grand? He was mad, but I didn't see that mad. I've seen other guys be a lot angrier than that who didn't get $25,000 fines from the National Hockey League. But, oh, I remember. Forgot. They're from Toronto. <laughs> Everything gets blown okay. up more in Toronto, so they get That's fined right. more. They get suspended more. I forgot. Sheldon Keefe broke down that NHL math earlier this season.